I grew up in a really small town in western Pennsylvania. Um, in media parlance, it would have been known back then as a D county, although I think it's probably more like a D minus county. Uh, it was 13,000 people in the town, but the entire county was only 40,000 people. And the town is in the middle of the Allegheny National Forest. Uh, beautiful, beautiful territory, but there's really nothing there but deer. And timber and oil and all of the natural resources. The town itself is idyllic, built on a river, and very much one of those towns, uh, the way that they depicted it in the animated movie Cars, when the interstates went in, it really kind of killed those small towns in Pennsylvania. But when I was growing up there, it was fairly affluent. We had an incredible public school system, and it was one of those places where when you were growing up, you were sent out in the summertime and told just to come home when the streetlights come on. And nobody worried about locking their doors. It was kind of a very protected environment. And I didn't think twice about anybody else living any other way. Yeah, I knew there were cities out there, but I, I just thought this is the way that everybody lived. And it wasn't until I got to college that I actually met a black person for the first time in my life, really. We had a state hospital that was a teaching hospital that families would come in and out from around the world, but they were part of that hospital. They were not really part of the town. So it was a whole different ball game for me. And I also, at one point, was an exchange student in Mexico, which was a, a second eye-opening experience for me. And I think that for me, those two pieces of who I am really formed the way that I think about diversity and inclusion, but I didn't know it at the time. And it wasn't until later when I realized that not everybody grows up the same way and that everybody has to put their own lens on diversity and inclusion, and for me, that was my lens. Hi, I'm Nancy Hill, President and CEO of the 4As, otherwise known as the American Association of Advertising Agencies. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. Uh, there was a question on here, but you covered it in your intro, which I thought was really good because it was about like who made you, and it sounded like that it was very formative in your early life. I think where I want to go with this is fast-forwarding a little bit. And this, is, this is a question that a lot of women choose for us to ask. What do you think others believe your superpower is? And then conversely, what do you think your superpower is? I think others think that my superpower is fearlessness. Uh, I actually wear a necklace uh, all the time that on the front side in Sanskrit is the symbol for fearlessness and on the other side is the word. And I finger it quite often because I have to remind myself to be fearless because I'm not as fearless as other people think I am. And it's, it's one of those things that I've had to push myself out of my comfort zone in order to be fearless when the time is necessary. Mm -hmm. and, and that's happened several times in my career, but it's also happened several times in my personal life. And it's something that I, again, have to push myself to do. And other people look at me and they think that I just naturally am, and I'm not. So what would you say your superpower is then? I do think that I am very intuitive um, and 
in all humility, I will say that I probably read a room better than 99% of the population. Um, and when that's a good one. When people leave a meeting, they'll say, that's really good. This person agreed. I'm like, no, they didn't agree. Right. Well, let me tell you why they didn't agree. And here's how I, I read that room. And, I, and I'm usually right. You think fearlessness can be a learned trait? I want to go back to that. Is that something that can be learned? Or do you think it's an innate, natural? I think it's actually innate, but I do think it can be forced. Okay, there's a difference between forced, forced and, and learned. learned. Yes, and okay. I, I think that for me, I've had to force myself to be fearless. I, I've gotten more comfortable with it, sure. Um, so maybe that is learned. But I do think that you can force yourself to be fearless. I'm not so sure that it, it's something that you can teach yourself. Right. What's the most important decision that people can make in their careers, and then by extension, let's you know talk about what decisions women can make in their careers. Why is that? I will only speak for myself. Sure. I made decisions not to make decisions in many instances. Huh. Um, I didn't, like a lot of people in this industry, they set their sights on, I want to get to X place. Mm -hmm. And here are all the steps I have to take to get to that place. And for me, it was more fluid in that an opportunity would present itself. Right. And I would look at that opportunity and I would say, I haven't done that yet, so maybe I'll try that. Or I haven't lived in that city yet, so maybe I'll try that. Or that agency's really cool and they're doing some great work, I'd like to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Versus that's going to get me one step closer to where I want to be. Right. Lord knows nobody in their most wild imagination ever dreams of being the CEO of a trade association. <laughs> And even if they did, they couldn't plan right. the career that would get you there. Um, it's not real linear. No, it's not. But in hindsight, I had the perfect career for this. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea I was headed in that direction. But every decision I made along the way helped me end up in a place that was a good place to take over this position. So it, it worked out great for me. Made total now, sense, that's yeah. not to say that's going to be the subscription for everybody. No. Or prescription, I should say. But for me, it worked out really well. Let's talk about this because you are heading off into the fun after nine and a half years? Nine and a half years, yes. Jeez, my gosh. 35 in the industry. Amazing. If you weren't doing this as a career, what would you be doing and why? And this kind of ties into, you know, where are you, where are you headed next? You know, the easy answer for me would be I would teach um, but, I, and when I say easy answer, not because I think teaching is easy. No, 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 no. I know what you mean, though, because it's accumulated experience that... Uh, that but it's be, also, yeah. education has always been a passion for me. I got gotcha. you. Um, Ditto. Yeah. And coaching and anything that helps other people yeah. achieve what it is that they want to achieve. So that's what makes it an easy answer. Mm -hmm. The reality is I probably would have ended up in a creative business in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by creativity and culture. I was a psych and soci major in college. Yes, I, I, I did not know. Yeah, okay. and it was All the right. 70s. Uh, now I'm really it dating myself. So I thought I was going to be a social worker and save the world. There are lots of things we could say it was the 70s and, about. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, but we won't. This hair um, of mine, I get but it. But the, the joke in advertising, when I used to say that I started out in social work was, you're still in social work. <laughs> uh, working with the creative department is right. like that. Right. Uh, but I, I do think that I was drawn to this notion of drawing on culture 
not necessarily for a commercial enterprise, but for something that was artistic and creative, and, and I think that's always been a part of who I am. Let's go to the must list. What is a must do? Must do, oh, get out of your comfort zone. And, and for me, a lot of that has been travel. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I've had a career that's allowed that to happen, but I've also made it happen beyond right. uh, just what I got from traveling for business. I think exposing yourself to other cultures is probably one of the most important things that anybody can do because it right. opens your mind in ways that you will not conceive of. By the way, that can be done by going to Alaska just as easily as it can be by going to South America because the people who live in Alaska are very different from the people who live in New York. Who are different from Atlanta, different from Fort Worth, different, yeah, I got you. No, and I agree. Having spent six years in hip hop, it was part of culture of this country that I didn't know anything about and I loved it. Yep. It was among the time that I was happiest for sure. What is a must experience? Now, you've talked about travel, and that's an experience, but let's maybe take this out a little bit further. What is a must experience? And this could be work, this could be life. It's hard for me to detach experience from travel. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the most interesting things of the time that I've spent in Ecuador over the years is my exposure to the whole culture of shamanism. Interesting. Yeah, it's... It's really fascinating because uh, I've had a couple of instances, and my husband was with me during one of them, where we went to, a, uh, one in particular, we went to a healing ceremony that's typically done uh, around New Year's. Um, they, in, in that part of the world and in that culture, New Year's is a very significant time. It's a big deal, you're yeah. leaving something behind and you're starting something new. And we went to see a shaman together, and the shaman who only spoke Quechua, which is the indigenous language, but we, I have a very good friend who's both fluent in Spanish and Quechua, and she translated for us. And she, even though she knows us, she didn't know certain things about us that the shaman talked about that happened within five or six weeks of Trippy. that ceremony. And it was really telling to me how much getting in touch with your spiritual center, however you define uh-huh. that, good one. is a really important thing for people to remember. I think too many times in the United States, we define that as religion right. and and religion is defined by doctrine and dogma and right. all of those other things. And I think this is about the spiritual core right. and you can define spiritual the way you want to. But right. for me in that moment, it was about me understanding what was going on inside of me. Yep. What is a must learn? Another language. I don't care what it is. Um, would you throw coding in there? I would throw coding in there. Actually, that's I'm uh, I'm about to do an online coding class myself because uh-huh. it's something I just have not taken the time to learn, and I do think it's important. Yeah, language has always been a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. My parents forced us to take Latin starting in ninth grade. So it was I, the seventies. Yes, it was. Well, <laughs> I, or Latin. before right. in that in that case. Um, I took four years of Latin. I, again, I alluded to the fact that I came from a really strong public school system. Right. I took three years of Russian. I took my mother's Russian, so that okay, was important okay. to me. Yeah. I learned French starting in grade school. And then, of course, because I was an exchange student in Mexico, I learned Spanish. Sure. So language is always... I, at one point, thought I would like to go be an interpreter at the UN. I just thought right. it was the coolest job. Right. Um, but I think language is a really important... And by the way... Emojis are a new language. I know, right? And, the, you know, I forget who it was talking from the stage yesterday was talking about emojis as a language. Yeah. And when you think about it, it, it actually breaks down 
every other language barrier we've ever Esperanto. had. It's yes, like the it new is. Esperanto. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Uh, everybody look that up if you don't know. Esperanto I know exactly is, what it is. It was the 70s. Uh, what is a must read? Well, now that the movie is coming out, it's kind of hard to say this without people not knowing what I'm talking about, but um, The Circle. The Circle okay. is a book that was written by Dave Eggers about three years ago. I've always been a big fan of his writing, by the way. If you mm -hmm. haven't read any of his books, he, he has a really interesting way of doing both memoirs and novels. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're very insightful in many ways. So The Circle is a novel. It's about a company that exists that would imagine, if you will, Facebook, Google, Twitter, Pinterest, and any other of the data gathering organizations that are out there all in one company. Well, it's coming. And what, no. oh, and what they would and what they would know about us. Right, right. And I remember finishing that book and putting it down and sitting there for a few minutes and thinking to myself, okay, the moral of this story is just because we can doesn't mean we should. That's a good point. And the movie's coming out, I think, the end of April. Um, I hope people will read the book before they go see the movie because I want to make sure they get right. the real through storyline. And sometimes in movies, you miss that. Don't get the cliff notes. Don't get the cliff notes. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask and what would the answer be? You've been asked a lot of questions over the years. I have been asked a lot of questions. But there's got to be one that you're like, I wish someone would ask me about this. You know, I'd say that the question that we should ask people, not just me, is look them in the eyes and say, how are you really doing? And I, and I, I say that because so many times in my life, as I went through either personal or professional crises, people would say to me, oh my God, you're so strong. And I'd want to but say, no, no I'm not. Yeah. I'm yeah. really not. I just want to go screaming down Battery Street when I lived in San Francisco right. at the top of my lungs. I'm not really right. all that strong. And it really at that moment in time in particular, agency was going through crazy times because it was the dot-com bust. Right. My then now late husband um, was going through a lot of health crises and it was a lot to deal with. Absolutely. And nobody ever just took the time to hold my hand and look me in the eyes and say, how are you doing? They said, mm -hmm. you're so strong. I know that was trying to be encouraging, but sometimes people just need to be asked, are you okay? Here's where I compliment you. Boy, where do I start with you? Um, <laughs> I don't do that well. <laughs> you got to take a compliment every so often. I started in this side of the business in, so I was in radio for a long time, but then started in this sort of bigger side of the business, so sort of more of the national global thing. So we met in 07, it, it sounds like. Probably 08, because so, I took oh, the seven, job wait, in Okay, 08. so 08. So we met in 08. And I always like to say about this industry is that a lot of times it feels like camp where you see people and you just sort of, you know, hey, let's, you'll see you in Cannes or we'll see you at this conference, we'll see you at this. There's a great part of that, but one of the things about you that I just feel is that I've always felt connected to you. And not just from like the professional side of it, because that's kind of an easy thing for us to do, but I just, you know, I've, I've for years have just sort of stood back and not necessarily been a passive participant, but just appreciative of what you've given, not just the organization, but a lot of people. You've, you've been in some real trenches. You've been in some real uncomfortable times and you've been in some real amazing times. You've gone up, down, all around. And leadership 
in my opinion, a big part of it is grace and handling it with grace. And you've always done that. And the other side of it that I've always appreciated is from when we first met in 08 to today, we're sort of the same people. We're just a little bit older, maybe a little bit wiser, but you've always had kindness and generosity to me. And you've done that to the industry as well. And I'm, you know, I'm one of thousands of stories of people saying the same thing. So that's, as you are heading off into the next phase of things, uh, that's where I compliment you. And I thank you for that. And I think others thank you for that as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, you know, maybe it's because I come from a small town um, and my parents are very much like that. I find connecting to people on a human level to be really important to me, um, not just to do my job, although it does help, but because I want to relate to people that way. I don't want to relate to them as, oh, this person does this right. or this person is that or this person has this title or this person can help me with this influence. I relate better to people as human beings, and so I've always worn my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. People, people know exactly who I am and what I stand for and what I care about, and I try to draw that out in other people, and if that means that we end up being connected, then that, so be it. That's the way I like it. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they'd like for a couple of minutes. So without further ado, the floor is yours. I gave a farewell speech to the industry yesterday at this conference, and I talked about a little bit about um, we are better than that. And, um, and I repeated it because I think it's a really important thing for this industry to keep in mind. The people in this industry, and one of the reasons I've always loved the advertising, specifically agency part of the business, is that this is a group of individuals who are infinitely curious, who care about culture, care about words. The precision of words is an important part of who they are and what they do. And they're just the most interesting, insecure group of people that I've ever known. And I think that because sometimes the press and certainly the social media trolls can sometimes be uh, relentless and snarky, that we fall into the uh, trap of believing our own press, or not even our own press, but the pre how the press defines us, or the, the public writ large defines us. And I know, in my heart of hearts, that we are better than that. And I want to continually remind the industry we are better than that. No matter how many times we get painted with the brush of being sexist and racist and misogynist, I think there are people in the industry who are like that, but that's not the majority of the industry that I know and love. And I want to make sure that we celebrate that part of it as much as we call out the bad behavior. We have to remember the good part of this industry. And, uh, you know, my message to the industry of we are better than that is also, yeah, we are. Let's think about that before we just buy into the narrative that gets put out there on our behalf without us participating. Much like the must list, uh, we'd like you to share one more piece of advice or wisdom with the audience to wrap up the show. What's your final word? My piece of advice based on what has worked for me. I had somebody in my 
early days in this business tell me that I was not going to be successful in this business because I was too ethical and I was too honest. And, and when they said honest, they didn't mean like just calling out stuff. They meant like just too honest and genuine. And I decided that day that I was going to spend my career proving that person wrong, that you could be successful in this business and still be honest and ethical and genuine and nice. And so for me, using something that somebody thought was negative as a positive was really a good piece of fuel for me. I love it. Well, Nancy... Again, I'm, I'm just one person, but I, I think I echo a lot of people. Uh, we love you dearly. I mean, we honestly mean that. Thank and you. we thank you for the fact that you serve us every day, but also you serve yourself every day. Because you and I have had, you and I have had some deep conversations. We have. And you are serving yourself as well. And you should be very proud of what you've accomplished so far. And I look forward to seeing what you're going to accomplish next. Thank you, Doug. 